From the Rodney Kiefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Ash talks to us about how being a good teammate for the entire sports performance staff will help elevate your professional growth, how accountability and consistency is a two-way street between the coach and the athlete, and how assertiveness and passion will help you throughout your career. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I have yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, we are joined by Coach Ashley. She is currently the head sports performance coach for women's basketball at Duke University. And prior to that, she was an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Army West Point, with also having stops at University of Dayton. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for joining us. And could you tell us a little bit about your role at Duke? Absolutely. Um, I currently um, am working with women's basketball um, on all aspects of um, strength and conditioning. Um, what's, what's really, I don't know, I guess not unique, but becoming more specialized in one sport, you are more than just a weight room coach. I mean, we are out there for all conditioning, all recovery, you know, you need to kind of have a handle on a, a little bit of everything. Um, so you are a part of their nutrition, you're a part of their recovery, you're a part of their soft tissue, you're a part of everything. Um, uh, I also assist Coach Will with men's basketball. We are off in our own weight room. Um, so both teams utilize the space and then Coach Will is amazing and he assists me with women's basketball. And other than that, um, yeah, I work with the sports performance budget for our entire um, department. We're made up of three weight rooms and yeah, that is my role. That's awesome. Now that's a pretty unique dynamic having you as you know, the assistant for men's basketball and then coach will being the assistant 
for you. Was that something that came up naturally or was that something that you guys worked into prior to you getting there? It came up when I got there. Uh, I was lucky enough to come a few weeks before I needed to start. And it was just us sitting down and having conversation. And it was actually his idea. Mm. He wanted to give me about a month in the weight room where he was not in sight at all because for the last 17 years, he had worked with both men's and women's basketball. So he didn't want me to do something different or me to do something my way and have my student athletes just like look straight at him. Like we don't normally do that this way. Um, and that was how he wanted to approach it. And he said, after that, then let's, let's work together. But I want you in the weight room. Anytime the men are in the weight room, I want them to be familiar with your face and everything like that. And, um, he has supported me through, through all of it very much. Um, this is your team. You do what you want. It's not a micromanagement, but we sit down. I mean, we talk daily. Our, our desks are, you know, the room next to each other. So, um, he is an amazing mentor, but, um, I'm so grateful that we, we have that dynamic. Nice. Nice. And him being running both programs for such a long time, what, characteristics do you think he was looking for when he got you? And that's a lot of trust. I, I know how a lot of head strength coaches could be, especially when it's, they've been your team for such a long time to be able to be like, all right, coach Ashley, you got this. What, what do you think is the characteristic that helped this relationship out? From what he has told me, <laughs> it was very much my willingness to just be like, okay, it's my team. Like I'll take it over. Um, but willingness to sit and listen. This man has been at this university for over 30 years. Again, he's been with both programs and now with the men for about 25 years. Of course, I'm going to like sit and listen. Um, but he was very adamant that he wanted a female. Um, our department just in general at the time did not have any females in strength and conditioning at all. Wow. Okay. Um, they opened it up to everybody, but he was like, I want somebody who can come in and stand their ground um, and, you know, be a good female role model to the student athletes as well as a good strength coach. Um, and again, I, he is an amazing man. And he was like, I knew you could hold your ground. Um, and that's why you were who I wanted <laughs> right here. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing to hear someone say that. That's a lot of responsibility, you know, you're one of the first female in here as on the strength and conditioning staff, and then also taking over. How, how, how did you handle that kind of pressure? I mean, I, I'm just thinking about it right now. I'm like, dude, that's a lot of responsibility versus you being coming in after anybody else and, you know, having that, but you're kind of like the first on a lot of levels. Was it a lot? It was, it was just different. So I, let me just like make sure there have been females at Duke on the Olympic side before. Um, it had been a few years since there was a female in a full-time position, but yes. And, and, and I'm not sure how many years that was. So I don't want to miss like miss on the, on the basketball side in 17 years, there had never been any female. So that was, um, a, a little bit of pressure. You want to come in and you want to do a good job and you want to be a good fit and you want to be at least adaptable to, to your head coaches as well. 
especially as you are assigned, I am with sports performance. I am assigned to women's basketball. So can I be adaptable enough to give my head coach what she is looking for? Um, but also do I fit in the culture of our sports sports performance department? And can I be integrated into the other staffs and like, and how does that look? And, and what does, what does that look like? And, and how do I do that? And honestly, like everybody has been amazing. I mean, now it's been five years. They definitely like are used to my face. Cause I will go and I try to pop into football here and there. Um, I'm always over in Scott because when I was first at Duke, I was here as an intern and I worked on the Olympic side. So that whole staff is still there and they're amazing. And they let me come over and just poke my head in all the time. Um, but I don't think it was like too much pressure except for don't be the first one in and then do a crappy job. Right. Yeah. That's the biggest, <laughs> that was the, the biggest amount of pressure, but I think I'm holding my own pretty well. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, a lot of people would agree with that. And you had also mentioned you handle the sports performance budget. Is it just for the basketball sports performance or? It is for all three weight rooms. That's a heck of a proposition, especially for a power five school to run a budget. How, how was that? I, again, cannot say enough about Coach Will. He told me from day one, if there's something that you see that we can do better or don't have someone doing, ask and see what we can do about it. And we, that was an area where I saw like there was a hole and we needed to fix it. And I just asked one day, do you mind if I start taking this over? And I just want to see where our money is going and what we're spending on because we are three separate weight rooms running under one budget. Um, and he said, absolutely. That is not something that I would like to be in charge of. Right. And that's how it started. And now what we have come up with was a plan of there's going to be a budget manager of the other two weight rooms, obviously, because I don't run their weight room. They know how to operate their weight room and mm -hmm. I don't want to, to tell them how to do that, but we need to have a system in place so we can see what's going on. And it's honestly, it's, it's worked out very well, but yes, at the beginning, you're like, uh, am I going to mess this up for them? But it's been a great learning experience for me because I don't think there's a lot of, I had not worked over a budget in any situation I had been in before. So it was a great learning experience for me. And there was of course a few hiccups in the first year of figuring everything out, but now it runs pretty smoothly and it kind of, it's great. And then it also gives coach Will an opportunity to take me to higher administration to go and sit in these budgetary meetings and see what we need and actually tell them that's not how we function. We function this way and to get my face in front of them as well. It's great. They had that much support from coach will being like, Hey, like we'll get you sitting down in front of the right people. And yeah, his full support. It sounds like, and I think that's a good thing. Oh, absolutely. That definitely a good thing. And what type of culture do you look to build with your team? So if I were to travel over there and, and walk into your weight room and watch a, a lifting session, what kind of culture would I see with you and your athletes? The first thing that you'll notice is they will scramble <laughs> to be on time. That is, that is my pet peeve, um, my accountability measure. So you will see from me holding my athletes accountable. That is, that is the one area where they know if you stop, if you cross my door and you are not on time, I'll see you tomorrow, but I'll see you tomorrow 
at a time you don't want to see me. Um, and then after that, you see a great relationship because I cannot ask them to do something that I am also not willing to do. So I hold them accountable and I ask them for consistency, like effort all the time. Um, great attitudes because an attitude is going to go a lot of way, a lot, a long ways in the weight room. So you can come in and you see if they're down, I'm trying to get them up before the lift even starts because then we have phenomenal lifts. Then they're talking to each other. Then that, then that communication is happening as well. So I think you see a bit of structure, but you also see them being able to be themselves just a little bit. And when they have that good relationship with you, like they're willing to to do whatever you ask of them. That's great. And yeah, how do you approach it? Do you kind of get a team lift in or do you have like smaller groups throughout the day? Was that pre-COVID or? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I would say maybe pre-COVID. Like say we somehow got back to normal. Like what would that look like? It honestly depends on the time of year. Usually in the summertime and the beginning of pre, well, usually in the summertime when we first get in, I try to at the very minimum have freshmen in a separate group than the upperclassmen. And that is for no other reason than I need to see how they move and make sure that they're doing things the way that, you know, our standard of lifting and, and know how to hinge and do all of those things. Um, And obviously the upperclassmen, they've been through the program a few times and they're going to be able to do uh, more advanced things more quickly because they've done them before. (laughs) Um, But outside of that, it's a consistency factor as well, right? I'm going to ask them to do it the right way every time, or I'm going to give them a short or a small correction to try to fix. Um, But I want them to give it back to me too. If they come in the room and I am not, you know, excited and I'm not giving them everything that I can give them, I want them to say, Coach Ash, what's wrong with you today? Where are you at today? And it needs to be both sides. They need to know that they can hold me accountable just as much as I can for them. And I feel like that's how we get a good relationship. So if there is a, a time that they, you know, have a accountability activity and I am not in the happiest mood, they know that that, that is the time to work. But they also know, like, when they come into the weight room, like, we're going to work, we're going to work hard, and we're going to compete. But, like, I can dance a little bit to the music. And Coach Ash is okay with that as long as I'm doing what I need to be doing. But you have to have those relationships with them where they trust and know, like, your ups and flows of how things are going. Nice. So you're starting your fifth year. Yes. How was that building that culture your first couple years? You know, when you had a couple – upperclassmen that worked with coach will and you're like look this is how i do things like was it a quick buy-in or did you have to work to earn their trust i guess initially when i first got here that was not my mo i didn't say call me out you know whatever um that was something that built over time not to say that like I still want you to say like, where are you at? If I'm not there. Uh, one of the things I made sure that constantly that my women saw day in and day out, if they were on the floor and it was, you know, them just doing extra pickup and shooting and not a scheduled like basketball, like practice time, I was in the weight room lifting. And we like, luckily where the weight room is, there's a clear glass wall and then the practice facilities. So they're in there at 5 p.m. coming in, you know, doing pickup, doing extra shooting, doing, you know, whatever, extra work by themselves. They saw that I was in, uh, that I was lifting. So it not, obviously they all weren't coming in 
at the same time as when I was lifting or whatnot, but I needed them to see that lifting and being healthy and living that kind of lifestyle was something that was important to me and could see that those were big values for me so that they could trust and learn like it's okay to be in the weight room. It's okay to be a female and be strong. It's okay to be a female and be strong and have muscles and still be beautiful and like come in and want to work. And I know as silly as that sounds, but you don't see a lot of females in our field. Um, and they need to see that. Like they need to see a role model that I can't, they can't look at me and I look like a slob all over the place and be like, this woman does not take strength and conditioning seriously. You know what I mean? Like, so if that's what they see, then they're going to be like, she has no idea what she's talking about. But when, you know, when she's eating, like I put my food out there, I let them see what I'm eating. They like, they know what I eat. They see me lifting. Like they, they see me doing the things that I'm asking them to embody. And I hope that that just encourages them not only while they're here, but even afterwards that this is important to continue, you know, post-college. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's important to always practice what you preach. If you, we might be a little bit beyond our, our prime in playing years, but, you know, I think it's always good for the athletes to see you're capable of doing what you're telling them to do as well. You've worked in the past on the Olympic side of things and you've helped out at, a, you know, other universities with different sports. How is that building the, it's okay to be strong and, and, a, and a female and, you know, lift weights. Is it a different dynamic building that kind of culture? Like if you were, say you're working with a tennis team at West Point versus what you're doing here at Duke, was, was it different or has it kind of always been that way? So this one is twofold. The amazing thing that happens at West Point is every single cadet that is there has to be doing something athletic. They all have to take a APFT, which is their, their physical fitness test. Um, they have to do this IOCT, which is this obstacle course. That's ridiculous. So most of the people that you get at West part at West point are amazing in the weight room in the sense, like, you know, we always say just because you're the best person in the weight room doesn't mean that that makes you the best person on the field. And a lot of times the best person on the field is not the best person in the weight room. All of the cadets are great in the weight room. They want to be strong. They want to be fit. And they sure as hell want to pass their APFT. Right. You know right. what I mean? So like I had women coming in all the time, like what, what else can I do? What, give me more. Uh, and I, I was very fortunate that I didn't just have female teams. I had male teams as well. And everyone wanted to be in the weight room and doing crazy, like, beyond what I would like, if I gave a group here, like the normal workout, they'd be like, okay, thanks. That was tough. The kids, the cadets at West Point are like, oh, okay, thanks. That was like, great. Now I'm sweating. What else do you want me to do? So there, I think, I mean, still there's not a lot of females at West Point just in general. It's about 15% now. So it was great for them to have I think a female in the weight room as well. Um, but you can build like, that's yes, that's how you build like great re relationships. But then moving back to like being at Duke the first time and being an intern and working with all, all of the Olympic sports and everything like that. I thought, um, 
that the women responded so well to having someone, I mean, because at that point I was closer in age to them <laughs> and the, you know, they see someone who's in there and, and coaching them up and encouraging them and doing everything like that. But I was willing to, if it was a partner workout, I was willing to be their partner, um, you know, doing whatever and keeping up with them. And, and I do think that, that they need to see that they need to see that kind of role model. Um, and I know I'm like beating a dead horse by saying that, but it, I think it's just such a different mentality than before you'd walk in and it's, it's just all men all the time. <laughs> um, so it's just a different, like, you know, just a different thing to see, but I think something that's important to see. Cause I will even see it say like on the men's side, I have not ever had a case of the, these male student athletes, like being any type of way, except for if they are going to give it to you, give it back to them. And then they're like, oh, okay, coach Ash, like, sorry, you know, like not sorry. They're not saying anything inappropriate. They're, you know, good banter. And then they're doing pushups and I'm doing pushups right next to them. And they're like, oh, okay. And you you allow them to see females succeed and succeed in male roles early, those sexual bias go out the window. You know what I mean? Like the earlier they see it, the, then the more like normalized it is. And the more I think opportunity that they, they are to say, yeah, no, you know, if I, I will use men's soccer, if coach Dan's gone, yeah. Like coach Ash can, can be in charge, like not a problem. That, that's important. And I, and I want to say we're getting to a point where we see, like you said, more normalized, you know, gender roles. A female strength coach should be able to walk into any team and be like, look, we trust that she's hired on because she's the best strength coach that we have. And she's perfectly capable of doing it all. But it's definitely something I know. And we were talking about this before. Females are definitely a, in the minority when it comes to our profession. Uh what would you tell any of the other female strength coaches that are listening, whether they're full-time or whether they're trying to make a name for themselves, whether they might be an intern or a GA, like, what would you, what would you tell them? I think first and foremost, apply for the position. And I don't mean like strength and conditioning. I mean, any position. And I feel like that goes for any female. I feel like more males are willing to be like, I have eight out of 10 of the things on that you know, requirement sheet, I'm still going to like put my resume out there. Whereas I think overall women will be like, okay, I only see, I only have eight out of the 10. So I, I'm not qualified enough. No, go ahead and put it out there. And I, there is a change in strength and conditioning of wanting more females and more, you know, strong role models to be out there that we just need to apply. So you want to work in the NBA, apply for the NBA job that just opened. Don't say it's just a male position. Apply for the football job that just opened. It's not just a male position. And I I feel like before that was like very shied away from, but now is as good a time as any to go ahead and do that. I hope I hope we have a lot of listeners like taking notes right now and just bet on yourself. Who cares? Like if you fall short on a couple of them, cause you're absolutely right. Take a chance and take those, get those positions. It's open. It should be open and it should be something that anybody should be able to go for. Absolutely. And I don't want to come off as like a man hater. Cause I definitely am one of those people that is very much for the best person for the job should get that position. But if you never put your foot in the door, you're never going to be up for that job. 
So then you can't complain that, oh, it's only males on this side or, oh, it's only females on this side. If you don't ever put your foot out there, then then nothing is going to change. So go ahead and do it. Hope you're all listening to that. That's some, some great advice. What would you say in general was one of the key factors to your success? I mean, you are at Duke University. You're working with the, the highest level of basketball. What Along the road, along the line from being an intern at Duke and going to Dayton and West Point, what do you think was a contributing factor to your success? I'll go with two, and one is that I have had amazing mentors. Um, Mike Buley, who mm. is now at Clay, Clay yeah, yeah. but was at Clemson and Georgia Tech, and where I met him was at the University of Dayton. Um, He's a very smart, very brilliant man, and he has done a lot for our profession, and I was very lucky to intern under him. I mean, that that couldn't have asked for a better first mentor, absolutely, Um, and he's just so smart, and the things that he was having me do as an intern, like, um, and that was before we had all these virtual internship programs and everything that's happening now that are super established and and doing amazing. But, um, the things he was having me do were just like, I I never even thought of that. I, I, I didn't think I should be doing a nutrition certification, a sports nutrition certification while I'm doing this internship, while I'm trying to get, you know, CSCS at the time. I mean, he was just, you know, pushing me in these directions. Um, and then when I was at, at, at Duke right after that, then, um, Dan and Carl, um, were my two main mentors while I was here. And coach Carl always, 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 um, we, he would take you aside, you would go on a walk and he would do interview questions with you. And he would say, Oh, nope, that sounds like crap. We got to fix it. You know, I've been so fortunate enough that I have worked under these amazing men, who support women and aren't like, okay, you can't do it because you're a female. Like, let me put you in the best position. Um, and so that's number one, but number two, there is a bit, a part of it. And I have to say, and not to sound narcissistic, some of it you have to do on your own. So the funny part about how I met coach Buley was I was on vacation in Vegas I didn't know what strength and conditioning was. And it happened to be the strength and conditioning conference, like the national strength and conditioning conference for the CSCS for the CSCS and, um, or for the NSCA, excuse me. And I went through the con- I like bought a day pass, went through, saw all the vendors, got a book, looked at it. And I'm like, this is exactly, I was going to school for pre-physical therapy. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And that's what my, I had just graduated with my undergrad for that. And that's where I was moving. And I was here and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I played soccer my whole life. And I, I just wanted to be with athletes. And I was like, oh, I get to help athletes be strong and, and do X, Y, and Z. And um, luckily met Coach Buley, the, his athletic director at the time. And we all went to dinner, like the whole staff went to dinner and they allowed me to come. And the next week I emailed him and said, I'd love to come and intern for you. I don't know if that's a thing. I will work for free. I will bartend at night. 
you know, if you are willing to take on the help, I am very serious. I just graduated with my undergrad. I would love to, to come and pick your brain. And a month later, I moved to Dayton. At, like some of it, you have to do the work. And so I think those, those, that kind of drive and that passion towards, you know, wanting this overall fitness, I, I don't, fitness, <laughs> this health and well-being and, um, yeah, like being in athletics and, and being around people that you just want to build up. Uh, you, it's just been, it's been eye-opening. It's been amazing, but yeah, you have to, you have to have that drive. And when you find that thing that you're passionate about, you're going to do anything you can to get where you want to be. I always try to make sure, especially with my interns, not to romanticize what we do. Cause I know it's really cool to wear like Nike and it's really cool to be on the sidelines and, you know, be in our very nice weight rooms, but you know, it's hard work and I, do my best to make sure they nobody gets any misconceptions of it. Like I, I love what I do. We're very passionate. I know you love what you do and you're very passionate, but it, like you said, it takes work. Let me get one thing straight. You walked randomly in into the NSCA national conference, not knowing anything about it. And it's like, this is what I want to do. And you happen to walk in a bump into coach Buley and go out to dinner with them. Okay. The the part about Coach Buley is there my my best friend at the time or my best she's still my best friend um was was there and she knew Coach Buley. So I didn't just randomly run into this stranger, but we did just randomly walk into this conference. And that is wow, that's that's yeah, awesome. No, I mean like it couldn't have been like more stars aligning or anything like that. Mm. Um and I was living in Georgia at the time. So then to just like up and go up there like this is just crazy. Um right. but yeah so I mean like sometimes you have to take chances. But you are absolutely right. I is it a big deal that I get to be around the student athletes that I get to be around? Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, and be in the facilities that I am. Yes, absolutely. And I'm in Cameron indoor every day, but people do have, like, they need to realize like some days are 17 hour days, right? Right. Right. Into another 17 hour day. And if people are, you know, not doing what they need to be doing, then you're going to be there the next morning at five o'clock in the morning, because you're going to have to set stuff up and you need things to be ready before everybody comes in. And you might be the last person there. And that's okay. That's like, we are in a service industry. We are taking care of other people. And you just have to be willing to put that grind in and be humble and know that you may be the first and last person there every day. Yeah. I've never even really heard it said like that, but we are a service industry. We are here to serve or, you know, to help out other people. Like, fortunately, we don't get to sit behind a computer and like, just look at something like we are part of our job is interacting with, you know, student athletes and, and getting them better. And, and you, you said it could be 17 hours. Yeah. It's long hours. And don't get me wrong. Cause some days are you, are you there every day for 17 hours? No, but there also may be a day that has nothing to do with strength and conditioning and an athlete walks in and sits down and they're having a bad day and they're going to tell you about their day and they need somebody to just sit there and listen. And if that means you're there for an extra hour, you're not just going to be like, okay, bye. 
like we are a full service. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are yeah. your needs? And right. you know, let's figure this out. I mean, it's it's some of it is really good. The grind is hard. So let's go back to you got yourself to Dayton. Did any part of you going from Georgia out to Dayton where you just like, what are you doing, Ashley? Like, this is just madness. Or were you like, screw it. Like, I'm all in. Like, let's see where this takes it. Or was it, did you have to like talk yourself in? Because you said you're a pre-PT. Like, I'm assuming you did that because you wanted to be a physical therapist. Or was it kind of like, this is what was available. And now like this whole weight room thing is really awesome like where where Thanks, did it Blair. yeah yeah where where did it click for you like all right NACA national conference you got introduced to coach Bewley and then like you moved your whole life into another state like like where did it click like this is this is it um so yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> no it clicked because I played, like I said, I played soccer my whole life. I played in college and I knew I want to do something that worked with athletes. And where I went to school in Savannah is very much like a healthcare driven school. Um, and so I was able to work in a rehabilitation, um, gym in a hospital while I was doing undergrad. So I'd volunteer every weekend and, you know, work a day there. And what I, didn't enjoy was that my average population of person that I was seeing was 70. Right. And so you're helping them stand up and sit down. And that's the goal is to be able to stand up and sit down, which is an important goal. Right. But I wanted people that just like broke their leg in a soccer game. And then now we're, you know, moving them and, and getting them back to be able to go play. So I had just come from four years of 70 and then I walk into this conference and all these fit people and, you know, weights and protein shakes. And I knew that that was something that I wanted to do. And then the side note of that is my father was in the military. And so I was, or we were stationed at uh, Wright Pat in Dayton, I think from when I was in fifth grade till about my 10th grade year of high school. So my best friend that I was talking about earlier, shout out to Coach Z, because uh, she is kicking butt in, as our, in the Army in strength and conditioning. She was at DePaul before. Um, her parents still lived in Dayton, and I called them and said, you know, what do you feel about me moving in with you guys? Because she was no longer there. And they were my second parents when I was there. That's just how military people are. And her dad said, you know, if you make me a batch of brownies every week, you got a deal. And I said, absolutely. So, so I had a bit of a safety net. You know, I wasn't in homeless. Um, but the rest of it, I mean, we got to work at five o'clock in the morning. Like we said, I would leave at five o'clock at night and I would go bartend at night mm -hmm. and that's just what you did. But it was very easy. After week one, I was all in. All oh, in. wow. Okay. There we go. I was like, nope, this is what I want to do. And, and, um, coach Bewley made it, you know, such a great environment to work. And like he, if you want to see, if you want to walk into a rate room and see intense, workouts and athletes super focused and like buy and go to one of coach Bewley's workouts hands down. Absolutely. That's great. And I'm actually going to be talking with coach Bewley here soon. Uh, and we're going to get him on and see what his, his plans are for, for play. Cause he's a great coach and I've talked to him a few times already and, and he's got a good vision for how he can help out strength conditioning and his new role in play. And I think it's good that, you know, he had had such an impact on you because 
you know, he's, he's a good coach and he's willing to help out a lot of other coaches. And I think that's important. One of the, um, one of the nice things about being in the ACC with him, as soon as I got over here, he was one of the first people to reach out. And every time I went down there, we made sure that we met up. And anytime he came up here, you know, we made sure that we met up and I'll tell you something that man, even if you don't want to hear it, he's going to tell it to you. You know what I mean? And I remember him telling me four years ago, get on your social media and put yourself out there. And I was like, Mike, listen, I'm not doing anything special. You know, I'm not doing anything different than anybody else's. He said, Ashley, I do not care. Put yourself out there. And I mean, it's taken me a little bit, a little longer than I think he would even like, and I'm trying, you know what I mean? But more people have been reaching out the more stuff you put out there and nobody's doing anything that's like, that you need to hide this and that from each other. You know what I mean? We Mm -hmm. are going to get better as a strength and conditioning community. The more we share stuff and learn and grow from other people. And I mean, I learn something new from him or get scolded from him and have to learn a new lesson every time I talk to him. And I love it. I love it. No, that's great. And I'm, I'm glad you, you think that. And I think that's definitely the crux of how the, the podcast is shaping up is if I were to talk to somebody like a Cal Dietz or somebody who's like an originated kind of a, a training style, I'd be like, oh yeah, it's clearly let's talk about triphasic. But for the most part, everything as far as programming goes, we could all read the same book as you and like be on the same playing field. But I think it's, this is more about other coaches helping coaches. Like this is why I wanted to see your background and see how you got there and the type of culture. Cause I think that's one way that we could definitely progress the profession, you know, just how else would a, a, a D two head strength coach talk to Duke, uh, you know, sports performance head coach for women's basketball, if it wasn't for just, you know, reaching out and trying to help each other out and get, 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 get the stories out. So I think that's important. It's the magic of social media. It is. You can be in touch. You can be in touch with anybody. Absolutely. So if you could pick up your phone and call Ashley from seven years ago, what would you tell her? If I could tell Ashley, I mean, Just be assertive and make sure you are doing the things that you need to do, but be you. Don't, you don't have to conform to what everyone else is doing. Be you. And I think that will go a long way for anybody. You don't have to do everything just because I'm putting things on social media. It doesn't need to look like exactly what I'm doing. Make it yours. You know what I mean? And that's what we're all doing anyway. So make it yours. Keep your athletes as safe as you possibly can, but do it your way, you know, be you and get the job done. I think that's great advice. That is awesome. So what's next coach Ashley, what's next on the horizon? Is there any kind of techniques you're looking at or anything you're looking to do in your own workout? now that we're all crawling out of our little quarantine and getting, trying to get back to normal life. What's next for you? Um, what's next for me is to be like, so well-versed in all of the technologies. (laughs) Nice. That is what I am working on. I think something that came out of quarantine was the need to make sure, um, you know, we're returning athletes correctly and safely. And so that I, I feel like that meant a lot of new kind of technology pieces for people. 
we already utilized a technology instead of, we did not do catapult. We did a different technology called Athos, which um, gave us muscle activation in the lower body. So outer quad, inner quad, hamstring and glutes. And we could do a lot with that information. And it was something as simple as adding heart rate monitors. Um, so we could do submax testing so we can return athletes to play um, safely. But of course that also comes with the fact that I never need to stop learning. And that is all I have been doing for the, the last month is just making sure I'm up to date on research that I'm doing this properly because I want to give them every opportunity to have a great season, even though we, I know for the last five months, they haven't been doing anything or haven't had access to a weight room. They've been playing basketball, but they haven't had access to, you know, a weight facility. So making sure that I am a good resource for them and letting them know why we're having them wear new stuff and, and why we're doing what we're doing. And do you have a lot of buy-in with the technology with, with, with your squad? Uh, I think initially it was a little bit harder because when I first got here, we were doing nothing. There was no tracking of anything. And now we, and, and I'm going to be the first person to say, you don't need to have everything that's out there. That is just too much information, mm-hmm. but we do have Harry monitors and we do have the core tracking device, the Athos tracking device, essentially for training load purposes, and then asymmetries. And then we utilize four sticks um, and a wellness questionnaire, because obviously I need to know how you're feeling because I can't just look at you and know how you're feeling. Too much information is still too much. And I know talking with some other coaches that handle technology, how was the buy-in with the, with the coaching staff? Cause I know sometimes coaches want to know, or sometimes there's don't care. Um, so when, when I first got here, um, our previous coaching staff, they wanted to know more on a, um, level of, are we trending in a way that we need to, you know, back off or do more. And that's the information they wanted to know. They didn't want like a weekly, you know, sheet or anything like that, which is fine. If I can, if I'm doing my job, I can communicate that to you daily without you having a report. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got an entire new coaching staff and thankfully I am still here <laughs> and, um, you know, it's different. They, it, it's a younger coaching staff who in their, in their previous places that they were, they've all had technology. So it was more of a buy-in for them, but they do want, you know, more of an update as far as like how the data is, but they want you to sit there and have conversations with them about it. So again, I will never stop learning because I need to make sure that I can communicate that effectively to them without talking their ear off for an hour. Right. Um, so I think it's just different. It's They came from a place where they were utilizing technology before, and our previous staff was in a place where they weren't using technology before. So it's it, it, depending on like what the coaching staff is and what, they, what they're looking for. Thank you so much. You've, I'm looking at all the notes I've been taking because I'm, I'm at. I'm sorry. I feel like I've been talking. No, your no, ear not, off not too. at all. I'm, I'm an avid note taker. I, I think, like I said, it's your, it's your story. Your stories. I think it's very empowering to young strength coaches and and the a female strength coach. And I mean, even sports science and everything else, building culture. It's it's what's needed. To, you know, other coaches would like to hear that. If our listeners want to get a hold of you or see what's going on and what's going on with Coach Ash, what's the best way they can? find you 
I think the easiest way to find me is on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H-B, as in boy, and then the number six. Um, but it's just Ashley B6 on Instagram. That is the one that I post on pretty much daily. Um, and then you can email me anytime. I'm, I try my best to respond, you know, to anybody because I want to be a resource and I want to be as helpful to other people as I've had, you know, previously given to me. And I know, um, that it's much easier to get a hold of people now, but yeah, I am very much a, let's all put our egos aside and everyone just try to help everyone because <laughs> it's going to make us all better. Yeah, I, I think that's great. No, I, I appreciate your time coach. And thank you once again for coming on our podcast and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at IGCT 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.